It's great to be here. It's a distinct joy to be with you all. Uh, as you can notice from my accent, I'm from the deep south. <laughs> you go all the way down to Florida, turn left, couple of islands down, Puerto Rico. That's where I'm originally from. And 20, 25 years later in the United States, and I still cannot get rid of this accent. But I like to say when I preach in English that I hope, and I'm not saying this to bring any self-pity or at the end you say, oh, I, I could understand you. No, I deeply believe this. I deeply believe, I hope, my accent is not a distraction, but a reflection of the unity that we have in Jesus Christ from all nations. Uh, today with me is my son Joey, 14-year-old. Uh, he brings a lot of joy to me and my wife. Uh, my wife Kathy and my daughter Janelle stayed back in Gatorsburg. We just came back from Orlando, and she wanted to be in the, in the local church, and she has, she has some things to do down there. So she also sent her greetings. And uh, as we come from the conference in, in Orlando, it's amazing to see the true partnership that we have in the gospel. And the team here asked me to give you an update of what's going on in Latin America. And I'm going to take a couple of minutes for that. Just before I, I, I came in, uh, Joseph came to me and said, we're running a little bit behind. Don't worry about time. And I'm like, I'm Hispanic. I don't worry about time. <laughs> That's not a problem. What, what, what better we can do that to be with God's people on Sunday? Worshiping him through song and the listening of God's word. So I'm throwing away my watch. <laughs> but wanted to commend the worship team. You guys did a great job with that Spanish song. And the, the, the pronunciation was on point. And 14, 16, 17 years ago, we were part of the Sovereign Grace Church in, in Ashburn, Virginia, where Bob Donahue, Jim Donahue brother, is the senior pastor. And I remember my wife and I, praying for sound doctrine, worship music to be translated into Spanish. And one of my deepest joy right now when I travel through Latin America is to go to all these different churches that they don't even know what Sovereign Grace is, singing Sovereign Grace songs. It never stopped to affect me to be somewhere in Argentina, in Uruguay, in Ecuador, Costa Rica, and they start singing Sovereign Grace songs. And the partnership that we have in the gospel and the work that Bob Coughlin is doing, but the support that the local churches give to Sovereign Grace make that possible. So thank you so much for what you guys are doing that you don't even are aware of what's happening. So for the last seven years, uh, the Lord has allowed me to been able to travel through Latin America in different ways, and there's a hunger for sound doctrine. Second Timothy 2, 16 say, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And I believe that the church in Latin America has seen the effect of the prosperity gospel, of the therapeutic gospel, and the fruit of ungodliness that does give to people. When you think that God owns you, and he has to give you something. And those things don't happen. Ungodliness come out of that. And I think that has 
move a lot of pastors and a lot of churches to seek for deeper understanding of the gospel. And that has opened many doors for our small church in Gatesburg and our denomination to be able to serve people in different parts of Latin America. Right now, Colombia is uh, one of the big uh, places that we are planning to adopt one or two churches in the next couple of uh, years. Your own Mark Prater is coming with me in a couple of weeks. Uh, also, Bob Wright is coming to go to Colombia to be with one of the churches that we're planning to adopt and just to encourage them in their 10-year anniversary. Would you please encourage Mark not to wear shorts while we are in Colombia, <laughs> just for my benefit? Uh, you know. Uh, as you may be aware, Costa Rica, there's like four churches, and, and this church has been a great encouragement to a couple of those churches down there. There's one in Cartago that a donation from this church allowed the senior pastor to go full-time. And I could see a, a definite change in his effectiveness just, just by the encouragement of a, a church in Pennsylvania that he has not even been supporting, their, supporting him and supporting the word of the gospel. So thank you so much for that. We are working in Puerto Rico also, in Bolivia, and in different places. And one of the things that is happening is God has opened opportunities for me to publish book with LifeWay and BNH Publishing. But the publishing of those books, I'm working on my fifth book right now, I see it as a way to open doors to uh, nurture relationships, to be able to meet pastors. And I'm going to show you some, some pictures of different uh, what, I, what I believe is the, the real ministry that happened. This is in Colombia with one of the pastors and one of the leaders. We're just going to have dinner. And basically, for me, the conferences, the preaching is, is part of blessing the church. Next, next one, please. But uh, this is in, in Costa Rica with a pastor. You see Bob Wright and Ed Omar, another sovereign great pastor, uh, encouraging the pastor of uh, Iglesia Casa 242 in San Jose. Next one. This is in Bajanquilla, Colombia, with a, uh, two churches represented there, having food uh, and sharing time together. Next one. This is in Costa Rica. This is Pastor Alan. This is the one in Cartago that your, your gifting really uh, helped them. Our family went for three weeks to Costa Rica to spend time with the pastors, share time with them. Kathy uh, cooked for them. We, it was kind of weird. We were doing hospitality in Costa Rica to Costa Rican pastors, but we wanted to serve them. And she, my wife did a great job of uh, uh, serving them. Our kids did amazingly to spend time with the other kids. Next one, I think is the last one. Uh, more, more food with Pastor Chespi. I think he was here a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and these pictures, and, and this one is Puerto Rico with Bob Coughlin and another pastor, a great friend of ours, uh, in a conference that we did a couple of weeks ago in Puerto Rico. And, and I brought these pictures and not the pictures with a lot of people because I think this is where the real ministry happened. Over table, having food, sharing time, listening to them, crying with them, laughing with them, and encouraging them to be able to continue to do the work that God has called them to do. So I just want to, you guys to be aware that you are part of this. And Sovereign Grace is part of this. And without the Latin American Fund, that has been developed. Most of this work could not have been done. And now we're looking at uh, church, churches in Mexico becoming a, a region, but then down the line, 
churches in Latin America. Thank you for your generosity that makes a difference in the work that is happening in Latin America. Would you please open your Bible with me to Psalm 51? And I would like to pray and be able to move forward with this passage. Lord, we're grateful for your mercy and your kindness that you have saved people from all nations. And we want to be a church that is not inward-looking, but outward-looking to reflect your incarnation that you gave yourself for your church, for your people. And we want to be a church that reflect the reality of our salvation, of the mercy that you have poured toward us, and that we respond to that mercy by being your people and preaching and proclaiming your word to all the nations. Help us see the undeserving grace that we have received. So we can give that grace to others for your glory, Lord, and the edification of your church. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So maybe you're thinking why Psalm 51 on a global Sunday. And I think we are mostly aware of the first section of Psalm 51 where David is opening his heart after being confronted by Nathan and confessing his sin, but many times we forget the second part or the later part of that psalm where you see the effect of that confession and you see the effect that his repentance brings and the effect of that repentance is preaching to others that don't know the reality of the mercy of God and play, praying for the blessings of the nations and especially the nation of Israel to be a blessing to others. So. I want, you, I want us to go through like a path of the penitent, where the penitent is aware of his sin, confessing sin, asks for mercy, but then he moves and responds to that mercy by proclaiming the truth of the gospel and becoming a worshiper. So we, we, we don't stay in the, in the confessing of our sin. The sounds move from that to proclaiming, to being a worshiper. So we want to be that kind of people that we are aware that the confession of our sin has to take us to the proclamation of his goodness. Global mission starts and ends with the gospel. So we will see the roadmap of how we, we, we react when our sin is revealed. And then we, we can show what the desires are of our heart after we experience the mercy of God. So I'm going to read Psalm 51. This is the most important part of the preaching as we listen to God speaking to us. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blow out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justifying your words and blamings in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom 
in the secret heart. Purge me with high soap, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blow out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from both guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, Open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or, you will or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up your walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifice, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of our God. On January 15, 2009, U.S. Air Flight 1549 took off at 324 in the afternoon under normal conditions. At 327, with 11 seconds, the plane made impact with a formation of birds. At 327, with 26 seconds, the, the, the plane called the tower and informed of a collision and that they may have lost power on the two engines. And the, the captain said, we're coming back to La Guardia. Moments later, the captain informed the tower that they cannot make it to La Guardia and request permission to go to a nearby airport in New Jersey. Tower confirmed landing in New Jersey, but then the captain informed that they would not be able to make it to New Jersey. He then said, we're going to be in the Hudson. We are all aware of the, that fatigue uh, plane that ended up to be a great uh, situation when Captain Chelsea Sule Solenberg was able to land the plane safely in the Hudson River. But I want to draw your attention to a week later. A week later in a Manhattan, New York City hotel, all the survivors went to meet the captain. And they brought their families, pregnant wife, children, and everybody was just bringing thanks to Captain Soli Solenberg. Can you imagine if the captain was there and he would say, oh, I'm thirsty. People would have run to do something to bring water to them. They wanted to show how grateful they are for him saving their life, being able to see. I remember an interview, one, one person said, I will be able to see my, my daughter get married because of this. Brothers and sisters, we have been saved of something so much greater than just our life. We have been given eternal life by the Son of God. How much gratefulness should be in our hearts toward Him as we reflect of our sin and what we deserve from Him and that he has given us mercy and grace. So in Psalm 51, we will see how David, after being confronted by Nathan, and his sin has been brought forward, he responds in the right way. 
in modern times and our culture is telling us that when we're confronted with sin, we should blame other people. We should justify our sin. We should think that it's the environment that is causing our sin. We should look for some kind of oppression that is making us do this. There's something outside of ourselves that is making us do the things that we do. But David was able to respond and confess his sin, but he didn't stay there. He was able to move to mission and worship toward God because he saw the great salvation that he has received from God. So I want you to look in these six points. It's going to be short each point. Don't, don't get anxious. <laughs> of this psalm, how he first sees the great mercy and salvation that he got from God, but that moved him toward mission, toward worship. It's, it's, it, it impulses, it gives him the engine to move forward to serve our God. So when we understand of what we have been saved, brothers or sisters, we become true worshipers. If, if I want you to take something out of this today is when we understand of what we have been saved, we become true worshipers. Some of you may nod off and go to sleep because you got what I want you to get. But we will continue and move forward. Point number one, we need God's mercy. We need God's mercy. Verse 1, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. As we saw, David is confronted of his sin by Nathan. And it's no small thing. He committed adultery. He committed murder. And when sin comes to surfer, again, we tend to blame others. We learn to justify it. We, we learn to minimize it. We, we learn to compare ourselves to others. I'm not Hitler. I'm not as bad as other people. We try to pay for our sin. And the only answer when sin comes to surfer, surface in our life is the mercy of God. is going and trusting in the character of a God that is merciful to his people. We can, we can try to, to deal with sin in many ways, but, but David did the right thing. He went and appealed to the character of God, to the mercy of God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blow out my transgressions. He didn't say, I can take it away. I can repay the damage. No, God, you have to do something. I depend on you. You see, brothers and sisters, the penitent doesn't start with us doing something. It starts with acknowledging the character of God. It starts with knowing that God has to intervene for us to be washed from our sins. Verse number two, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. God has to do something. And you know what are the good news? He did. He sent his one and only son to do the work of salvation so that when we are confronted with sin, we can... We don't have to hide it. We don't have to justify it. We don't, want to, we don't have to blame others. We can respond 
and, and, and ask for the mercy of God and ask for his character and his mercy toward the sacrifice of his son for us. So I want to ask you a question. Are you aware this morning of the mercy of God? We, we, justice is to get what we deserve. Are you aware that we are getting mercy? Because if God gave us justice, oh, God had mercy of us. So every morning, his, his mercies are anew toward us. And we are aware, and that informs who we are as we edify our lives in the mercy of God. Because point number two, we recognize our sin. When we understand of what we have been saved, we become true worshipers. That is our response. We ask for mercy of God because we recognize our sin. Verse 3, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be Justify in your words and blameless in your, just, in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. These are some maybe troubling words in some ways. Because he's saying, I have only sinned against you, but what about Bathsheba? What about her husband? But what, what, what David is saying is, in, in the moment that our sin is exposed, we have to understand that our biggest transgression is against a holy God. He's perfect. He's completely whole. There's nothing wrong or incorrect in Him. So when we sin, our major offense is against a God that has not sinned ever. So our repentance starts by acknowledging our situation and our brokenness before a holy God. And we need to always go back to that because usually what happens is we get saved, we are aware of our brokenness and sinfulness, and then sanctification starts kicking in and things start moving along and we start forgetting how much of a sinner we are. And we start feeling good about ourselves. And the gospel starts becoming less precious and our own righteousness starts becoming more higher and we start blaming others about our iniquities or we start justifying our iniquity. It, it's, not, it's not wrath. It's just I'm a person of strong character. And we start like putting down our iniquities and that doesn't allow us to see the greatness of the salvation that God has given to us. So my question to you is, do you see yourself as a sinner this morning? There may be two groups of people. One group of sinners that have been redeemed by grace. But we're still in that category that we need the mercy of God constantly in our life. And we need to remember the gospel every day. But maybe you're here with us. This morning, and you haven't experienced the sweet mercy of the forgiveness of sin. And let me tell you, 
that doesn't make you better or worse than any one of us here. What makes you is one that needs the forgiveness of their sin. And it starts by recognizing the reality that we have sinned against a holy God. And that the only ones that are to blame is ourselves because we have broken his holy rule. So we need his mercy. We need to understand our sinfulness. And point number three, then we seek restoration. When we understand what we have been saved, we become true worshipers. So we are aware of our sinfulness and the need of his mercy. Those are things that happen like right there, like at the same time. It's kind of something that needs to happen kind of together. You know, we are aware of his mercy because we are aware of our sin. But we don't stay in that introspective. Wow, that's a big word for Hispanic. Introspective. (laughs) That's the Holy Spirit, let me tell you. I'm speaking in tongues. We, we don't stay in that introspective moment. I'm going to keep repeating that one. <laughs> of like self-pity or downness because the reality of our sin. We, we move forward because of his mercy and we look for restoration with our relationship with God. We, we see that our sin has separated us from him and we seek his presence and his nearness and that's what we desire instead of saying poor me we say we need God we need God so that's a you you see we're like in a in a in a in a transition he's moving from one place to another so he's moving from aware of sin aware of God's mercy to need of restoration verse number six behold you delight in truth and the, in, the, in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with high soap and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the, most, the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blow out all my iniquities. Creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away for your presence. And take note your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. What he's saying basically is, God, change me. Restore me. Make me more like you. Take away my sin. You see, he's not saying, take away my sin so I can feel good about myself. Take away my sin so I don't feel this guilt. He's saying, take away this sin. Take away all, all these iniquities so I can be near you. So I can be restored to fellowship with him. Verse 11, cast me not away from your presence. Do you see his prayer there? It's not this prayer of like, oh Lord, take away all the consequences of my sin. Don't let me suffer because of the sin that I did. What he's saying is, I don't want to lose you, God. I want to be near you. I'm aware that my sin creates a boy, a gap between you and me, don't go away. He's aware to what happened with Saul before him. He's, he, doesn't, he doesn't want that to happen to him. So he's asking to God, please God, don't let me lose you. Is that our prayer when we are aware of sin? Is that the, the path that we take? I don't know you, many times mine is like, ooh, I'm feeling bad. I should have not done that. I, 
If people knew, I don't want the consequences of this bad decision. But it should be, Lord, you, you are the one thing that I need. And actually, if I want to be more than you, I need more of you. So clean me, take away everything, or, did, or this deep moral, give me a, a moral purification. Give me a fresh perspective of your presence, because that will give me true joy. Oh, brothers and sisters, in a world that more and more lack joy, and we have seen all the consequences of the pandemic, and it's understandable how the, the uh, uh, absence of relationship can affect our, our, our view of life and our joy. We need to be more aware of, of the forgiveness of our sin. So we are restored with fellowship with God because in that fellowship, there's abundance of joy. We, we, we need the joy of the nearness of God, of being restored to Him, of, of, of enjoying His, His sweetness, His beauty, His majesty, His glory in all that He is, knowing that when we enjoy that nearness, we should be destroyed because that's what we deserve. But in his mercy, we are getting the greatest gift that a human can have, fellowship with his creator. And that that will be enough for us, brothers and sisters. So when we are aware of our sin, when we are aware of our need of mercy, and we ask for restoration we see that the psalmist, that David, moved to worship. And we're going to see that worship in mission reflected in this psalm. When we understand of what we have been saved, we become true worshipers. Point number four, then we proclaim the good news. Again, many times we, we concentrate in this passage in the upper half when there's all this confession going on. But the psalm goes toward movement. He starts doing things for God after he has been restored to God. Many times when we are aware of our sin, that can paralyze us. I cannot do anything for God because I'm just such a sinner. And what we see here is now, when we experience the mercy of God, that should move us to proclaim his glory to other people. I have received all his mercy. Now I want to share it with other people. Verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. There's a transition in the sound. From asking God's mercy to acting, to responding to the mercy of God. And that's the effect of the gospel on us. It should be one of wanting to proclaim the gospel to other people. I don't know if you guys have been to one of these circles act. We, we were just with the kids in, in Orlando. And we go to this place called the Boardwalk. It's one of the Disney areas. And they have people doing performance there. And so one of the guys that do performance... It's one of those guys that have like many plates spinning around. You know what I'm talking about? And he started with one plate. And when Joey was like five years old, he was holding one of the plates there. You know, every time that I go there and now I see him, how big he is. 
Man, it's true that they grow fast, but that's not part of the sermon. Let's move back. So the things that are spinning around, spinning around. There's 10 plates, 11 plates, 12 plates, 13 plates. And the guy's, you know, one of the plates almost falling around. Everybody's like, and he goes and he's spinning around and he's moving around, spinning around. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes Christian life can feel that way. That we have all this plate that we have to spin and become duty that we have to do. And I think what this psalm wants to tell us is that when we are deep inside of the mercy and grace of God, then we will speak and proclaim the gospel. It's something that we do. It's just the natural thing because we are so amazed that the God of the universe, the holy God, will save sinners like us. So we will speak about it, not because it's another thing that we have to do. It's what we have to do. It's, 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 it's what it comes out of our heart. I like to say, when, when you, if you spend time with me, you're going to hear a couple of things that passion me. One can be my family. I love talking about my family. I love talking about running. Like, I'm 47. I know what you guys are going to say. Wow, he looks more younger. But yeah, I'm 47 years old. <laughs> When I was 39, I started running, and like Forrest Gun, I haven't stopped, so you're going to hear about, about running. Maybe you're going to hear about uh, a little bit about, about areas of social issues that I, that, I, that, I, that I care, but I hope that the, the thing that you hear the most is the gospel. Because it should just come out of me. It should be that thing that is just natural. One time I went to the Dominican Republic in one of these uh, trips, and it was actually C.J. Mahaney speaking in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a conference there, and they did a birthday for him, and they brought this cake. They call it the Milky Way. It's chocolate with uh, caramel goodness that reflects the glory of God <laughs> in, in every single bite. And, and I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a dessert guy. I'm more of a steak guy. Woo, that thing was amazing. And I couldn't stop eating that thing because it was perfect in the sense that it wasn't like completely sweet, but it was sweet enough. Oh. So I came back from Dominican Republic. First thing I told my wife, she's like, how did it go? How many people came to the Lord? I'm like, I ate the greatest cake on earth. <laughs> I ate the greatest cake on earth. And, and, and I will, every illustration of my sermon was the, the Milky Way cake. A couple of years later, they invited me to preach in that conference, and Kathy came with me, the kids came with me. And the first thing coming out of the airport, somebody asked her, do you want something? And she's like, can somebody bring me the Milky Way? You see, I, I spoke so highly about this, so I, I was so passionate. It was something that it, it had such an effect in me that she's like, I have to have it. You know, she, she, she didn't have, you know when sometimes I come from trips and she's like, how are you going? Oh, good. Eh, it's okay. That time she didn't, she didn't need it to take information out of me. I just gave it to her because it, it, has, it was such in my heart. The gospel should be that in our heart. Then, you see the then? It's, it's a, 
things need to happen for us to preach the gospel. Because when we are aware of the forgiveness of sin, that we don't deserve his mercy, and the transformation that he does in our life, how, how cannot we talk about the goodness of our God? So mission comes out of abundance of the, of the goodness of the gospel in our lives. In, in August, we as a family went to Athens. Uh, we were in, in Greece, you know, and one of the good things about traveling is you get miles, so we were able to go over there. And I have the opportunity to be in Mars Hills. And it was a, an amazing moment as I was standing in the place that the Apostle Paul preached the gospel. And one thing that you don't, you don't see or you, you don't see in the text is that he was standing on this rock, the Areopagus, but behind him is the Acropolis, just behind him. And just behind him is the, the temple of Venus and Aphrodite. So he's saying to these people, God does not live on a temple, and there's the biggest temple there. What he's telling them is, that thing that you're worshiping there is not real. And, and he really, I, I have a, my wife took a picture of me. It really affected me as I was there. Because the only way that a small Jewish guy could speak in the middle of that culture and say the true God is the God that created the heaven of the earth is when you are aware of the forgiveness of your sins. So brothers and sisters, the preaching of the gospel is not something more than we do. It's what we do. Global mission is not one thing that we have to do to feel good about ourselves, you know, in the suburbs. It seems that we have a lot. Let's see if we can give to, to other places that are not as fortunate. No, we give because the gospel has been made real in us. Then we preach the reality of the gospel. Then we teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you that the Lord will use us because we are those that have received mercy and grace to extend that mercy and grace towards others. When we understand of what we have been saved, we become true worshipers. We need his mercy. We understand our sinfulness. We want to be more like God. We proclaim the goodness of the gospel. Point number five, then we become worshipers. Verse, number, verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltedness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, but I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, and a broke and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. You see, you see what he's saying? Worship, true worship is the response of a heart that's been affected by the gospel. It, it's not something that we do. We don't come and sing a couple of songs just because that's what we do. No, brothers and sisters, we should come every Sunday aware of the mercy of God. And when Joseph starts here and starts playing that guitar, you're ready. You, you're ready to explode. Because it's not that we just come, oh, yeah, I don't like that one. Eh, this one, no. No, brothers and sisters. We are so aware of the goodness of our God that you are like, come on, come on, give me, give me that note, give me that note. I'm going to sing. Woo! 
because we are aware of the salvation. I don't know in the, I don't know if I'm going to use it, in the gringo culture, <laughs> in the American culture, if you guys do uh, baby showers that are unisex, you know, that like you bring the, bo the, the husbands also, sadly in the Hispanic culture we do that. You know, I, I understand the, 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 the father being there. I understand that part. But why bring the other guys? I don't get it. You, you know what I'm talking about. You, you don't want to be there. You know, hey, another pink onesie. Ah. Another pink onesie. Yeah, we, we just don't want to be there. We, you know, we go, we go there because, you know, we don't want to get in trouble. We, we, we want to go to the baseball game later on and watch the soccer match, so we go and we endure the whole thing, but we don't want to be there. You see, worship should not be like that. Worship is something that comes out of abundance of a heart that has been transformed by grace. That's, that's, it's not what we do, it's who we are. We are worshipers in our core because we now are the ability to go in front of the Holy God and not be consumed, but give praise to His mercy and kindness and salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we become, you, you, see, you see how the, the darkness or soberness of the songs at the beginning becomes a shout of joy? It, it doesn't in some ways make sense. But the reality of the sinfulness can take you in different directions. But if it takes you toward the gospel, you can experience the fullness of forgiveness and you can become a true worshiper. So when we understand what we have been saved, we become true worshiper. Point number six, we pray for blessing. So we have seen that we see our sin. We see uh, our need of his mercy. We want to be transformed. We proclaim the goodness. We become worshiper. And then our prayer becomes one of blessing toward others. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifice, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. You see what he's doing here? What he's saying is, Lord, this revival that you have done in me, even though it took my sin, do that with Zion. Do that with the people of God. That the people of God will see the reality of your mercy and your kindness. We, we, don't, we don't get people to, to give to global mission or to be worshipers by guilt. God does that by mercy, by encouraging us through his mercy and grace of the abundance that he has given us. How cannot we live life for his glory? That everything we are or do is for him. So as people in fly U.S. Airways 1549 were grateful to Captain Sully Solidburn, we should are more grateful because our Lord saved us from eternal wrath, from the sin that we committed and the justice that we deserve. He gave us mercy.
because now we have the righteousness of Christ in us. When we understand that we have sinned, that we need his mercy, that he can restore us, that we can proclaim the good news, that we can become worshipers, and that we desire the presence of God, we can truly worship God. And we do that by proclaiming his goodness, by giving glory to his name, and by desiring the restoration of his presence in his people. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your kindness. And I pray that you will give us the heart of the penitent, a repentant heart that is aware of our sinfulness, but that the beauty of the gospel, of your mercy and your grace, will move us toward action for your glory, that we can proclaim your goodness, that we can worship you, and that we can desire your presence and restoration in your people. Let it be for your glory through the work of Jesus Christ and the awareness that only the Holy Spirit can give you of you. In your name we pray. Amen. Bless you, church.